Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. In this episode, you'll hear from Sandra Leal, who serves as the COO at Symphonia RX, a leading provider of MTM services. Sandra shares about her passion for solving problems, such as access and other health system issues. She has worked collaboratively to bring clinicians into the technology development process. Sandra will be sharing tips that have helped lead to her successful career, including saying yes to opportunities. So today we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast, the Chief Operating Officer at Sinfonia RX, Sandra Leal. Sandra received her PharmD from the University of Colorado and completed a residency in Southern Arizona at the VA system. She has a master's in public health and some extensive diabetes education training. Sandra, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you can fill any gaps from that intro and maybe uh, tell us a glimpse into your personal life. That sounds great. Yep. So thank you for the intro. Uh, I started uh, my career at El Rio Health Center, which is a federally qualified health center in Tucson, Arizona. And um, I did that because I actually went to the University of Colorado and then wanted to move back home to Arizona where my family lives and just wanted to be closer to them. So I ended up relocating to Tucson. I did a residency at the VA and I really loved, I had a passion for ambulatory care pharmacy. So really liked working with people and managing conditions. And so when the opportunity opened up for working at El Rio, it was really great to be able to develop a clinic and really design it in the way that I was taught at the University of Colorado. I trained at some of the Kaiser clinics with the pharmacists being very hands-on with patients managing their chronic conditions like diabetes and hypertension. And the VA here in Tucson had a very similar model. A lot of pharmacists integrated into primary care. Uh, so the clinic that I started at El Rio was designed in that in that same way. And so we were the first site to receive collaborative practice authority from the state of Arizona. We were able to you know initiate prescriptions based on those collaborative practice agreements. And um, I stayed in that position for four. 14 years before moving over to Symphonia RX uh, back in January of 2015. Um, so that was quite a jump for me. I really like really enjoyed patient care, uh, but I also saw a need to be able to do more reach to people. So that's why I ended up going into public health because I you kept seeing the same kinds of problems present presenting themselves with the system issues, people having access issues, affordability issues, just very complicated um, systems issues. So I decided to, to obtain my public health degree and focus a lot of my work on being able to essentially address some of those systematic issues that we were seeing, address policy changes, and then just really being able to have a scale solution so we could see more people um, and manage conditions just because we were seeing such a influx of people with pre-diabetes and diabetes. And, you know, all we saw was just more and more challenges with that. So now here at Symphonia, what I do is I essentially continue to really replicate those efforts. Um, when I joined Symphonia, I was, uh, I came here as vice president for innovation 
which was great. It was essentially replicating the models that we were developing at, at El Rio Health Center on a more national scale and then using the resources that Symphony Rx provides with their clinical call centers uh, to be able to scale the services and, and essentially replicate the impact pharmacy is having on the treatment teams and more importantly, the patient. So I'll stop there, see if you have any questions about that. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's impressive. Could you tell us, I guess, a little bit more about Symphonia RX, you know, what what it is and, and how, um, I guess you have a national presence. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about that and share with our listeners. Absolutely. So Symphonia RX is a company that actually launched at the University of Arizona College of Pharmacy back in 2006, right around the time that Medicare Part D uh, was approved by Congress. And so part of Medicare Part D was the requirement to offer medication therapy management uh, to people that qualified for that service. So that was essentially uh, what started the University of Arizona College of Pharmacy to develop that model. And so Dr. Kevin Bozen at the time, he was an experiential director. He's the current CEO of Symphonia RX. Um, he designed this program. He involved students in that design and essentially launched what is now a national company. So back in 2013, uh, the company spun out of the University of Arizona and there is still work with the University of Arizona, but now there's work um, in other sites and with other colleges of pharmacy. So our presence is now at a clinical call center um, in the Phoenix area, one at The Ohio State University, um, another one in Gainesville, Florida, and then the one that we're just about to launch pretty soon is a clinical call center out at the University of Texas um, in Austin. So it's with the School of Pharmacy there. So it's really exciting to see the growth of this company. And essentially what we do is we work with different uh, Pharmacy benefits manager companies, we work with health systems, we work with providers, um, we work with employer-based groups to be able to, fo- to offer medication therapy management solutions for them. And so that will involve the standard Medicare Part D type of MTM. But we've also launched other initiatives like being able to you know, do work with collaborative practice agreements by embedding pharmacists in, in treatment teams um, and we also do medication, like readmission reduction programs when patients are being discharged from the hospital. So we've got some relationships with accountable care organizations, provider offices, integrated behavioral health offices, and just offering an array of services where we really focus on making sure that the pharmacist is part of the team and that we're working towards uh, addressing any medication-related issues that impact outcomes um, and access to patients that, that, that need those services. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it's great to see that that's spreading across the country. And, and it sounds like you're, you've been able to partner with a lot of other schools of pharmacy and universities and, and kind of involving students along the way. So that seems really uh, strategic. It is. It's actually a really nice relationship because we have the opportunity to do workforce development. When we partner with universities um, or colleges of pharmacy, what we do is we really bring in the student resources to be able to uh, do some of the interventions with patients. So essentially, we've designed it so that the students get exposure to that. They're able to work with patients to do medication reconciliations and different steps. Um, The pharmacist that's that's part of that team reviews every single case, works with the students, works with uh, being able to make sure that you know, they're receiving a really good experience and that the patient is receiving the best care possible. So that for us is a workforce development um, 
opportunity that we love. Uh, we do a lot of scholarship here. We do a lot of quality improvement projects. Um, we do a ton of research to see how we can best uh, impact the patient's um, outcomes, which is great. And so by having that relationship, we're just really able to, to leverage those resources and have the best outcome that we can. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. And, and I love the workforce development. That's, um, that's really smart. So you've been there for, I guess, about three years and have recently taken over as uh, the chief operating officer. Can you tell us, I guess, a little bit more about your role and uh, your journey to that position? Yes. So, you know, being involved in innovation has been wonderful. And just as, as we've grown, there's definitely been a need to continue to see the expansion of the of the services that we offer here. So my role now is going to be to continue to develop the organization to make sure that we're all we have several divisions here, some of which are very IT centric and other ones that are very clinically uh, like clinically centric, uh, but making sure that those divisions work together. So one of the things that, you know, I love about this company is that when we're developing a solution with our software platform, and it's called RX Companion, that we have both the IT team and then the clinical pharmacy group really designing what that system should look like to uh, to make sure it works in the workflows that we need to work in, to have efficiencies that we need to do, and to be able to do uh assignment of resources, so like risk stratification that makes sense so that we utilize our resources the most effectively or the most effective way that we can. What's nice about that is that we have that IT involvement and clinical involvement sitting at the table as we're developing our software. And I haven't seen that in any other practice that I've ever been with. Um, when we deployed electronic health records and other systems within, you know, my previous uh, positions, it was very much, you know, a, a product that already came the way it was. And for, and the clinicians just had to adopt whatever it was without really considering what the workflow impacts were and things like that. So so I've learned a lot from having gone through that process and, and seeing the value of what we have now and how we're able to customize it to fit the needs uh, for us to be the most effective practice practitioners that we can be. So my my involvement in that and making sure all of those pieces are working together, I think, is what's really led to me um, becoming part of the, the this new role that I'm playing and hopefully having you know, just being able to operationalize what we're doing on a much larger scale. Um, my personal uh, wish as I was going through my own pharmacy practice was to essentially replicate myself because there wasn't enough pharmacists involved and integrated in teams. And so this company now allows that replication to happen, to have pharmacists that are available for people when they need it. We're proactively reaching people, uh, addressing needs before things become crisis issues. And that's the best kind of practice I think that, you know, somebody like me can work in. Yes, that's so fascinating. I hope that we can replicate some more of you. <laughs> so Sandra, uh, now are only Medicare patients eligible for these services or what types of patients could be able to benefit from the services that you provide? We actually have um, a, an array of patients that qualify. So Medicare Part D was, is our core program. That's essentially how we started and how we started recruiting. But now we've actually started working with Medicaid plans. They have similar needs as, as far as trying to find solutions for uh, medication-related issues. So we have some Medicaid contracts. We've also started working with commercial payers um, and then most recently provider groups. And these groups are, are groups like integrated behavioral health sites where we have patients that are from different uh, backgrounds, anything from, you know, commercial self-employed type of uh, 
of patients. Uh, just It's just an array, so it's not limited to Medicare patients only. And that's really nice. Essentially, we can create a program, customize a program, deliver a solution uh, for any group that, that really sees a need or a benefit in, in working with what we offer. Yeah, that's that's really amazing. So, Sandra, I remember hearing you speak at one of the HRSA Patient Safety and Clinical Pharmacy Services Collaborative sessions. Uh, so, you know, you were able to share uh, some of the impacts that clinical pharmacy services were making at El Rio. Could you maybe tell our listeners a little bit more about maybe your experience and kind of what that was and um, then maybe any other groups you've been involved with throughout your career that have been influential? Absolutely. So my involvement with HRSA was great because the focus in that, that was the Office of Pharmacy Affairs. Um, They have the 340B drug pricing program. And at the time, their focus was really to uh, make sure that that people and safety net organizations had the opportunity to afford medications that might be expensive if if, um, they didn't have that 340B program. But they were really focused on not just only affording medications that were less expensive. They also wanted the best use of that medication. So that's how they really tried to focus on making sure that the pharmacist was part of the team and that they were proactive in making sure that the prescriptions that were being written were being appropriately written, that they addressed you know, care guidelines, safety. And so it wasn't just about less expensive product, but it was really the optimization of prescribing of medications to avoid errors and really provide the best outcomes. The way they designed it is they wanted safety net organizations to partner with colleges of pharmacy to be able to develop, um, again, just a, a way for resources to be brought into organizations that might not be able to afford a pharmacist or, you know, hire their own FTEs. And so that combination really resulted in what became a multi-year project. We saw a lot of really great uh, federally qualified health centers and other safety net organizations like disproportionate share hospitals family planning clinics, uh, groups like that, being able to essentially hire their first pharmacists and work with teams to be able to design better medication regimens for patients that they could access. So that was really an exciting opportunity for me. I just really learned a lot from that. I got to visit a lot of different practice sites and and help them be able to create sustainable models for pharmacists uh, being integrated into those teams. Um, So other groups that I've worked with that really have had an impact on my career and just being able to be involved have been, um, I think of a few, but the two that really stand out is the National Center for Farm Worker Health. I'm currently the board chair for that group, and that group is just uh, to me, it reminds me of everything, all the challenges patients face in, in, in their care. That's fragmentation of care, language barriers, health literacy bar- barriers, affordability barriers. And by being part of this group, I'm, again, being exposed to those kinds of barriers uh, to try to figure out solutions and how to improve access and care for patients. So I really take my participation in that. I take it very seriously, and I, I love to learn from that group. It's it's just a, a very committed group of of providers within that organization that try to improve care and access to patients. One thing I want to say about that group is that, you know, I think I was like the first pharmacist ever asked to sit on the board of that group. So they've learned a lot about pharmacy and I've learned a lot about them. And together, I think it's been a wonderful relationship to expand um, our role in, in, in a group that's very challenged. 
uh, the other group that I've been very actively involved with is the American Pharmacists Association. So I am currently um, on the board of trustees. So I was, I'm just about to finish my first year of my three-year term. And I've always been a member of the American Pharmacists Association as far as I can remember as a student. And the reason for that is because of their support for for, for provider status for pharmacists, amongst many other things, advocating for the profession, making sure that we have the ability to, you know, practice in the way that we're trained. But to me, like the, the signature issue is making sure pharmacists are recognized as part of the team and that our services are valued. Um, so all of their efforts in helping us be able to accomplish that is why I'm very, very supportive and active in that group. Uh, that's amazing. And uh, I know that they're very lucky to have your leadership and guidance and uh, those really important roles for those two organizations. Uh, so Sandra, maybe could you tell us what are some of the skills that you think you have uh, that have really lent themselves well to, um, I guess, now in your current role? So I think some of the skills that I have are just really being able to listen to people and understand, uh, you know, what they're dealing with and trying to figure out a solution for for that. I've always been a very optimistic person, and um, whenever I see a problem, I, I don't necessarily run away from it. I try to figure out how we can fix it. And so, again, that's sort of always motivated me in my career. When I see a problem, instead of seeing that problem all the time, trying to figure out a system's way to address it or something that we can do in advocacy, um, type of intervention to be able to, to make sure that we resolve that issue. Um, the other thing I think that's helped me a lot is just being able to take risks. You know, sometimes things are hard, making decisions about career or moving or, you know, taking a new role. Um, I've always been a risk taker because I've always thought, you know, if it something doesn't work out, I'm, I've learned from the experience and I can learn from that and apply it and, and hopefully come out ahead, you know, with my next experience. So, I, I think risk-taking is really important. Stepping up um, and just saying yes to opportunities. I remember I had like sort of a, a game plan when I started off in my career. I'm like, for the first 10 years, I'm going to say yes to everything and see where that leads me. And then once I figure out if I'm, my plate is really full, I'll be more selective about what I say yes to. But saying yes to things many years ago have resulted in things or relationships or um, opportunities that I didn't realize at the time were going to happen, but I'm glad I said yes. Uh, and I'm glad I stepped up and, and took some leadership opportunities that have really resulted in just a wonderful career that I you know, just absolutely love what I do. And I, I sometimes I'm in disbelief that I get paid to do what I do. It's, it's, it's a wonderful uh, thing to feel like that about your career. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And you're obviously a doer uh, and you can hear the passion uh, for, you know, pharmacy and for taking care of patients, really all patients, but especially those in, in underserved communities and areas. Uh, so, Sandra, you certainly have had a really successful impact on the pharmacy profession. Do you have any lessons learned that you could share from along your career path? Uh, I think the key lessons that I learned are just, again, just to be open to opportunity, take a risk, you know, say yes to a, a, what might seem like a lot of work. Sometimes people ask you to participate in committees or, you know, take a, a position that might be more work. But honestly, it's it's a great investment because you're planting a seed uh, for something that could lead to something else. And I, 
I think a lot of us shy away from stepping up for more leadership opportunities or opportunities to participate in things just because we seem overwhelmed with our job. But, you know, kind of stepping back from your day-to-day tasks and saying, hey, you know, how can I improve this? Not only for yourself, but for the profession and for the patients that have the same barriers that you do. You know, sometimes the investment in that a little bit more time to take a leadership role can actually solve the the day-to-day problems that you have. And I, you know, I, I talk to students all the time about joining a professional organization, joining their advocacy uh, groups within those professional organizations, seeing if there's a problem, trying to make a difference for that, mentoring people and, you know, really helping them when, when there's an opportunity to help. And I think that those things have really led, led me to have some of the best experiences um, that I've had in relationships that really that, again, I didn't realize we're going to be so significant later on. And if I wouldn't have done something or said yes something to something earlier, I might miss the opportunity of being where I'm at at this particular point in my career. I, I love kind of the power of saying yes and, and just stepping up to the plate. So that's that's amazing. And those are, great, are some great tips to be able to share. So, Sandra, with all that's going on in healthcare and how do you stay on top of what's going on and more specifically within the pharmacy field? So definitely, I love to read a lot about healthcare policy and just what's happening with healthcare reform in anticipation of how pharmacy can step in and be a problem solver for, for things that are changing. Um, so I keep up with a lot of different type of uh, healthcare publications, not just pharmacy. And, you know, I always encourage uh, the students I work with and the residents I work with to really be involved in, in learning about other professions and what their experiences are, because then we can figure out how we can, you know, help essentially them navigate what they need to do and bring our solution into their teams. Um, So I just stay active on multiple things like that. Definitely being part of the American Pharmacists Association, especially being on the board. I'm exposed to so many things. It's great to be right there where, you know, advocacy is happening, where you're talking to all these very um, incredible leaders from different organizations and and staying abreast of issues that are impacting the profession. Um, That's another way. Uh, Again, just even the local pharmacy association for my state, I sit on the advocacy legislative call uh, that we have once a month and keeping up on state issues. So I really try to just get involved with different groups like that and, and keep up on anything that's related to healthcare policy that I know I can potentially like strategically plan how to make that next, that next intervention from our perspective um, to make a difference. So it's, it's a, it's a little bit of work to keep up on a daily basis, but I think I, you know, I use it so much within what I'm doing in my current position and I've used that strategy in, uh, in every single position I've had previous to this one. That's really helped. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, as healthcare, um, we've got to be part of the team. And so it's it's definitely a multidisciplinary and, and team sport and knowing about issues that are uh, going on throughout the healthcare industry uh, has got to be really valuable as you're developing your strategy and, and how to bring value and benefit to um, not only your customers like the payers and, and other groups, but um, ultimately uh, bringing value and better patient care to those patients that you're serving. So that's, that's wonderful. So what are some of the things that are really exciting you most about the future of pharmacy? 
I think there, cause there's so many things that excite me. I think um, some of the, the key things that I'm really involved with and I'm looking forward to see how that's going to roll, roll out is the provider status legislation that's currently in Congress. You know, there's a House bill and a Senate bill that are both uh, receiving support. There's over 200 uh, supporters in the House bill and almost 50 in the Senate bill. Uh, but I just really love the, the fact that multiple pharmacy groups are working together on that legislation. So there's been more consensus that I've ever seen in the practice to support that. There's also non-pharmacy groups that are supporting that. And I know one of the groups is a group I work with, NCFH, National Center for Pharmacare Health, the uh, Association of Clinicians for the Underserved. So other groups that are not even pharmacy specific. And that's, again, really nice to see. Um, so that's exciting to me. Uh, just some of the things that are from a clinical perspective that I'm excited about and a, a really good opportunity for pharmacy is the areas around pharmacogenomics, um, being able to lead that and being able to be part of those, uh, a way to make sure patients have information around that, have access to, to that, because that's just something that's up and coming. Um, and then I always think about the public health benefits that pharmacists have, the accessibility, us being able to work on vaccinating patients and being the first-line provider that people come to without without barriers. You can literally walk into a pharmacy and talk to somebody and have you know, somebody advocate for you or um, answer questions. To me, that's the best kind of role that we play because we're really accessible. And so how do we leverage that to be that person people rely on and come to? Uh, I really, really believe that if we have provider status, those types of opportunities will continue to increase and we can really care for people uh, in a way that, that is not necessarily easy for people who have challenges right now. It's it's hard for people to step away, go to their doctor, make an appointment, pay a copay. Um, sometimes people just need to have help immediately, and, and that I think we're positioned to be able to do that. Yeah, it it is really exciting, and that uh, it seems that it's really bringing all of pharmacy together, and and just like you said, uh, a lot of consensus there. So, Sandra, as one of our, uh, as our final question, what is some advice that you would tell your younger self or for other pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? I, even myself, I think I would just let myself know and let younger people know that there are so many opportunities in pharmacy. You know, sometimes uh, when you think of pharmacy, you think, oh, I'm going to work in community or I'm going to work in hospital pharmacy. But there are thousands of opportunities in pharmacy, things that I never imagined. Like I never even knew it was possible to be a CEO when I was sitting in pharmacy school or even to sit on the board of the American Pharmacists Association when I was in pharmacy school. Those things were so beyond things that I imagined in my career. Um, so I'm just happy to know that those those things have happened for me. But to let students know, you know, like build your legacy right now, start getting involved now. That's the student pharmacists from the American Pharmacists Association are using that tagline, like build your legacy. And it's incredibly, uh, it resonates with me just because if they start doing that now, they really will be the future pharmacy leaders. Uh, they just have to know that if they take those opportunities now, they step up for leadership opportunities. They're really planting the seed to become uh, the next generation of pharmacists. That is awesome. I love that. Build your legacy. Thank you so much, Sandra, for spending some time with us on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. It was certainly a pleasure to have you. Oh, it was my pleasure to be on. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast 
rating and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. And check out the website, www.pharmacyadvisory.com. We're having show notes and other details available on the website, and you can sign up for updates and things there. See you next week.